and welcome to this Thursday's episode of the 905 Roundup. My name is Roland Tanner. I am Joel McLeod. And we've got another brace of uh, hot stories from the 905 region. Um, <laughs> well, hot and smelly, two of them. Um, <laughs> uh, but um, <laughs> let's start off with the smelliest of the bunch, which is... Uh, Hamilton's had another sewage spill, which has only been happening since another century. Um, Joel, uh, you were looking at this one. What, what's been going on? Yeah, well, uh, you know, we just finished dealing or, or getting through the, the Coots Paradise uh, stink, uh, if you will. And it, it was recently discovered uh, last week that there apparently has been a second uh, sewage leakage, uh, this, this time into Hamilton Harbor uh, directly. Uh, apparently... City staff noticed that uh, something odd was happening with a, a sewage flowing in a pipe that it shouldn't have been flowing in uh, that led out into the harbor. It turns out that this ha- has been going on for 26 years uh, so far. It's unknown exactly how much uh, sewage has been leaking. That might not that might be impossible to accurately calculate, but. Needless to say, it's not. Uh, it is not a drop in the bucket. Uh, <laughs> it's a bad choice. <laughs> no, no, that that is every pun is intended on that one. Yeah. Um, so, the jokes are writing themselves. I'm just looking at the article in the spec, and uh, and the head of water, Nick Winters, saying that the city doesn't know how much sewage has escaped, but it's a big number. And it's like, oh yeah, it's a. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a big it's, number. It's not, <laughs> it's not small. It's uh, it's, it's more than number two. Yeah, uh, but the 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 the, the silver lining in, in this is that the city believes uh, that the sewage didn't get into uh, the drinking water, uh, which is good for the residents in the area. There's a thing about fifty homes that they stay their uh, their sewage fed into this pipe that was basically twenty six years ago. A consultant put a hole in the pipe that the, this, the consultant thought that, oh, it's all, it's all a storm sewer system. So we'll just cut a hole in it. And that's that the, the sewage pipe will go into the storm sewer. That's essentially what happened. And so this has been going directly into Hamilton Harbor. Um, that's not good. Uh, but the, again, another silver lining in this is the fact that the current city council is didn't try to cover this up. There was this isn't a, a Coots Paradise cover up. Uh, you know, kudos to Andrea Mayor uh, Andrea Horvath on doing the right thing on this, showing the right kind of leadership and saying no, we're going to we're, we're not going to cover this up. This is you know we're going to figure out what happened and repair the problem and and figure out what needs to be done. I. I I'm looking at a CBC article here, folks, and, uh, you know, uh, Ward 2 Councillor uh, Cameron Crutch and Ward 13 Councillor Alex Wilson are both uh, quoted that, they, you know, this is important. They're deeply concerned about this and learning uh, and that uh, they're glad that this is being made public immediately. Water is life, et cetera. It's good. The the, count, the current council is doing the right thing on this, in, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think to an extent, so I should think. Um, however, the fact remains that the previous ca- this isn't the way the previous council worked. Also, I think we should. I, I think probably the most accurate way of describing this is is congratulations to staff for having learnt the lesson of what was done before. 
um, decisions like this are made more by staff than by council in the first instance. Um, uh, you know, uh, legal departments uh, tend to be involved and say, you know, uh, we, we we can't we can't you know there's liability gonna, issues, there's liability of finances. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe maybe it was the mayor's decision. Maybe it was. Uh, council the, the, point, the point is, I don't know, the but right they've done the right thing to take. Yeah, right. So that they've had an opportunity to do the right thing, and they've done it. So, so good. Congratulations. I, I would hope that the, I would hope in late like this. My my concern now is we can look past the the potential of a cover up here. I would argue this with with what happened in Coots Paradise. Now this story, I'm going to argue. I'm going to put the argument there. City Council, uh, a badly needed audit of wastewater uh, infrastructure, I think is is needed because um, I, you know, we've had two massive spills happening. No blame here, but going forward, I think it's a prudent course of action to to tell the city staff, let's do a complete audit of the entire wastewater system in the city. Are there any other? leaks happening first of all and second maybe is there are there potential leaks coming down the wire that okay we can get on top of it and repair it now yeah i mean i i think this is um you know if you drive around hamilton it's not hard to see that infrastructure has not been uh you know, basic spending on infrastructure has not kept up with with needs you know mm-hmm. uh, uh, the basic roads you know, the road I live on um, is uh, a real shambles. It's one of the most, it's, it's a key thoroughfare through through the city, through through residential area, but also through the city. Um, and it's, um, you know, it's, it's pretty good at wrecking your suspension. Um, the road surfaces are the tip of the iceberg in, in, in kind of city, um, uh, you know, maintenance issues. Uh, right. sewers things like that are a lot easier to to ignore and to and to uh, well, that cut, of, cut back on on the on the kind of it's that out of sight out of mind mentality yeah. right no no like it, it's not a sexy investment like you don't it's not like the city uh, city council spending money on a new pro, a new park or a new community center right that's that's sexy right you, you actually see the the work being done you see the new architecture coming in and all that Ooh, look you know and there's a big ribbon cutting at the end but this is badly needed. I mean, if you've got 26 years of raw sewage people feeding into, like, and I'd imagine, I mean, the I'd imagine the amounts are smaller, but smaller but worse, if you like, a smaller amount, but but a more toxic um, mm-hmm. concoction than what happened at the other spill, which is basically more dilute sewage, as I understand it. Uh, running into, but in much larger quantities, you know the Burlington Beach sort of area, um, that that sort of strange spit of land that that joins Burlington to Hamilton. It's a strange part of the world, and the houses down there are um, Hamilton less so than in Burlington. In fact, I mean Burlington is trying to basically force people off uh, that bit of land um, so that they can turn it into a park. Um, you know, 
it, it's very it's a neglected area and although it's less neglected i get the feeling when i when i've been down there in hamilton it's mm-hmm. still a, a somewhat um it, it's not the most glamorous part of the city well, it's not glam- um, it's it's a it's a unique part of the city it is mm-hmm. it, it is nice I, I will i will be honest the the beach strip in hamilton is a nice place to live it's very lovely homes very lovely community this the the the, the dangers of ruining it are real if we don't treat stuff like this infrastructure like sewage infrastructure uh with the seriousness now i mean we're, I'm, we're, we're touching on this story and there's a i'm not gonna no spoilers there's a story coming down the wire that i think does tie directly into this in an indirect way and when we get to it you'll you'll understand what i'm talking about people but the fact is like we're we're I mean, some of the, some of this infrastructure might be as old as the city itself. Like we're talking hundred, you know, possibly even more than that, depending on you know the the inauguration of the city of Hamilton, that kind of thing. Like you know, some of that stuff is really old. It does not last forever. It is, and this is this is a warning that has been on the radar, not just for Hamilton, but for cities across the world. Is that this stuff is starting to come. That the price tag on the, the repairs for this is starting to come due. We need to start taking this seriously and start upgrading and, and maintaining this. Uh, this this is vital infrastructure uh, to protect our environment and, and just our our public health. So uh, I, I, would, I would I just I, I'm going to close out this topic by just saying I'm I'm hoping that uh, Andrea Horvath continues showing the 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 appropriate leadership that she's so, shown so far in this file. And if you're listening, Ms. Horvath, you know, keep up the good work. Issue call for a, an audit of of the city's sewage infrastructure uh, uh, and wastewater infrastructure to be done, so that you and if the if the bill is in the billions of dollars, which I suspect it's going to be, probably more than that, you know, this is where you know we're going to have to have uh, uh, levels. That, you know, this is going to be an all hands on deck situation to to fix this uh, this, this needed infrastructure. Yeah, and I, I think this 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 comes at the end of you know, Hamilton has been been the victim of like so many cities of centre right to right wing mm-hmm. politicians telling people you can have everything and pay nothing um, that we're going to have low taxes because you know we're, we're we're looking after your dollar. Well, I don't want you to look after my dollar if that means that my sewer's got a hole in it for twenty six years. Um, you know the. The, the price of right-wing governments is usually ignoring basic infrastructure costs that, that becomes you regardless. A cheap, bill, a cheap bill now for a highly compounded bill down the road. You throw it onto someone else's council when you're no longer right. around. I mean, it's, it's right. classic. It's done all over the world. And I think Hamilton has very much been uh, a victim of that um, uh, in recent decades. I'm not well, quite in figure at the most recent council. This has been going on for, for a very long a, time. It's, it's been a while. Yeah. Well, um, let's uh, let's call it a break on that, and we'll be back after this with more. All right, and we're back. Uh, stay in Hamilton for uh, for the next little uh, bit, uh, but this is kind of a follow up on a story that we did. I can't remember how how long back we did this a while back, but if you hint hint, uh, new listeners uh go into the deep dive into the 905 archives and look for an episode with um uh ted mcmeekin as our guest he came on to talk to us about 
the Hamilton Alliance for Tiny Shelters, aka HATS, which was a grassroots initiative to provide exactly as it sounds, tiny shelters, basically like small sheds, insulated, powered sheds for the homeless. They, you know, they could just live there. No rent, no, 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 no quid pro quo, nothing. They can get to live there. And with the, with the idea is that social services would be on hand to help with mental health, some mental health issues, drug ad, uh, addiction issues, perhaps, as well as employment uh, opportunity, you know, services to get them plugged back in and, and on, uh, on the up and up. Uh, it was temporarily held at, uh, I believe John, Johnny McDonald High School. Am I not? Am I correct? In that well, one? that that was the the, the original um, site. The original suggestion was was that the the, the right, former right, right. high school, which is on for people who know Hamilton, it, it's kind of on the the road into the city along York Boulevard, quite a, a, a visible spot. Um, and um, yeah, we should point out that Ted Meekin, former minister. I mean. It was grassroots, but it was also there were some pretty prominent people involved. Former minister of of all sorts of things with the former liberal, provincial liberal government, and now, as it happens, um, the new uh, councillor for uh, uh, my mind's gone blank. Um, well, he's, a for, new, he's a new city councillor for the new uh, city councillor for, for replacing um, Judy Partridge, and um, uh, yeah, <laughs> name's gone blank on his that. ward. Sorry about that. Uh, it will come to me. Um, anyway, that's that's by the by, really. Um, the uh, it, it kind of caught the imagination. It caught our imagination. It caught other people's imagination at the time because it coincided with the um, you know, the really um, bad was handling. It, that, it, was that a, it, was an, it was an innovative way to solve the issue of homelessness. Anyhow, yeah, and and and, but, and, it, and it, it combined with with. With basically the homeless people being kicked out of of um, yes. uh, city parks following COVID uh, and yeah. being kind of really uh, handled in a really unpleasant way. Uh, former councillor Jason Farr was kind of at the forefront of that. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but the, and the, so so it seemed innovative. I mean, it seemed like a good idea. But since then, things have, have have moved on. So we're now no longer looking at uh, at that school property. A uh, Hamilton architect, Bill Curran, has stepped forward and basically said, "You can use my future development lot, uh, an empty lot that is that is currently not being used um, as the location for this, and that is on Barton Street East, um, rather than York Boulevard." Um, yeah, I'm just looking at the the um, Hamilton Spectators op-ed, not op-ed, it's, it's editorial on this, and it says, "Let's." give hats a chance to succeed and i think i'd agree with that I said, yeah i think this is a good overall a good thing i'm only making a slightly minorly sniffy kind of noise noises that hamilton city itself couldn't find a location for this but had to depend on uh, the generosity of someone else to well, step forward but um, to give it to i mean the, the 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 previous council did vote in favor of keeping this going, but it wasn't a wholehearted effort. I mean, there was a lot of division back and forth in the old council. The new council, you know, uh, coming off our last story, they had a good, you know, they had a great PR run on the on the sewer leak. Uh, maybe this would be a chance to continue that streak and get it right on this and and find a very a very permanent, very 
uh, funded site somewhere in, somewhere in the city. Uh, I mean, this, the site in question is uh, is in uh, on Barton Street, the Gibson neighborhood on Barton Barton Street East. Um, naturally, as with all these things, the na- the the neighborhood citizens are are kind of no, we don't want them here. And that's that's ultimately the problem is that the wherever you put this, the neighborhood uh, is people, the neighborhood uh, residents are going to get up in arms. It always happens whenever you say, well, homeless people can live here. And I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, well, I'm not sure if, if the locals have been terribly opposed to it. Some people just write, and I, I would also raise the issue. It's like, well, poor old Barton street East. Um, Barton street East is, 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 you know where problems get sent, uh, so that so that people with more money don't have to look at them. And there is a little element of that, I think. Um, you know that East East Hamilton is, is I, I believe, on the way up. I think good things are coming to East Hamilton, and I think the the LRT will will be transformative. But right now, um, you know, sticking things down on Hot Barton Street East is is where you want to stick things if you don't want to look at them. And the whole point of this project was. Let's not hide homeless people away. Let's not ignore this problem. Let's let's treat homeless people with dignity. Let's give them a, a place that works as, as a as a acknowledged and intentional temporary measure that kind of forces us to do better to find permanent solutions um, uh, for homelessness. Um, so I, I think you know if I'm if I'm gonna be um, Kind of, if I'm going to grumble at all, and this is no reflection for the Hats people, the Hats project, they've, they've got to go where they've got to go. Uh, I would say that the city as a whole ha- uh, didn't take the opportunity to say, no, actually, we're not going to hide this away on uh, and put it, um, you know, in in what everybody acknowledges is one of the more economically um, challenged areas of the city. Well, I would I would argue if this is a success, which I suspect it will be. Um, I I doubt that this is going to be the only site. You might see a few more of these sites popping up in various communities around the city, just due to population. Um, and who who says that they have to, it has to be like one site of you know just one site? Like what, you could break this up into a few sites around the city that are uh, you know all along public transit routes and 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 whatnot. And it's I, I I really like this idea. I think it has a lot of support. It has a lot of potential to really uh, change change the the script on on the homeless the issue of homelessness, especially in the city of Hamilton side the size. This is what's uh, this is kind of the innovation that's needed. I I'm I am I, I agree with your your assessment though. Like Barton is the place that we go that we put stuff to hide. Like I I was down on uh, Barton Street uh, this past week for. Uh, during the evening and the problem yeah i mean like as soon as the sun went down there's no there's no shops or really restaurants nothing it's not a well-lit street it's a very dark dim neighborhood um my it, it really is like you, nobody goes down there and nobody socializes down there uh and that's kind of that's kind of like why you know why, why this is being put there i i, I got the feeling proponents of this might have to do a, have another fight in their hand to try and get it 
somewhere permanent or get it up and running or get it in, get it in, into the limelight, I guess, uh, uh, is what you want, what you want to be to show that this is working. Um, uh, and as uh, the original location, uh, the John A. McDonald school, basically Barton street West, as it happens, almost, yeah. um, uh, it is a very up and coming, desirable area. Lots of uh, gentrification going on there. Mm. Lots, lots of you know, if, if people are moving to Hamilton from elsewhere in Ontario, uh, looking for for nice old, characterful properties, Barn Street West is is a good place to go looking. Um, and and I, I know there were, were some people who were not happy about the idea. So isn't it funny how these things just happen to work out that that the uh, it didn't end up in the up and coming gentrifying neighborhood, but did end up um, somewhere where the local population are probably have a, a deal less uh, clout. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm being overly nitpicky. I think it's fantastic that someone stepped forward and basically donated uh, this land. I think it's fantastic that uh you know the the uh you know, the, this project will be there it will be uh properly maintained there will be security there will be lighting there will be security staff 24 up 7 staffing video cameras all those things things that so that the people who are homeless can can get the support that they need um and, and you know well it may be that the uh Bart street east is also a neighborhood that has the kind of supports already in place uh, for people um, who have challenges of whatever kind, whether it be mental health or addiction or whatever. Um, uh, so you know, overall, this is a good thing. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's move on to our, our last and final rehash of the night. Uh, and as you no doubt are aware in, on this podcast, we're not fans of this government's current planning and zoning processes and bill 23 uh which is the build more homes faster act is pretty much uh, the epitome of all of our criticisms of the provincials pro- provinces zoning uh policies and, and laws in in one uh, well this uh this monday it passed uh the bill the conservatives pushed it through it is now law on the books it's part of their plan to build 1.5 million new homes in 10 years uh, with basically stripping a lot of the powers of conservation authorities to protect wetlands and, uh, and watersheds from development, as well as opening up, uh, I believe it was 7,400 acres of greenbelt uh, to developers now. All under the present, and, and, oh, and as well as uh, eliminating uh development fees uh from its supposed to recoup um all the on the the guise of this will build us affordable homes faster well the, the i know i'm going over old old news in this one folks but uh, just bear with me there's the minister uh mr steve clark minister of uh, municipal affairs went on the record to defend this bill by saying that uh and i'm quoting here from the cbc uh, Clark argues that in the greater Toronto area, the average home buyer faces $116,900 in municipal development charges and fees added to the price of a home. But Amo and other critics say that reducing or limiting those fees does not guarantee developers will pass the savings on to buyers. They're correct. If you remember, flashback uh, to just prior to the provincial election, Doug Ford said he would eliminate the provincial ta- sales tax, uh, provincial taxes on 
uh, all the gas sold in the province. The idea is that he's going to help bring down the price of gas to affordable levels for all of us and save us a couple bucks at the pumps. I don't know about you, but if you've been to the gas station lately, uh, gas has not come down that much. Gas is not uh, that much. Oh, it come down affordable. at all. It's gone up by about well, 50 cents. It's very points. It, this week is better. But. Tax doesn't do anything. The, here, here's the thing. I mean, Amo's right. This, we're not, you're not going to see the price of homes drop $116,000. You're just not. Um, the house of, you know, the, the $800,000 million dollar new homes that developers want to b- build on these new, these new fresh acres open up to them. Uh, they're going to sell them for one, $1.5 million because they can all that. The saving, the development charges just means their profit margin just got $116,000 bigger. That's it. We're, we're not, we aren't going to see those savings. We just, we just aren't. Um, this government just basically just took, we just it opened up the profit margin even wider for developers to recruit, to get richer off of a crisis that is, uh, I, I don't think this is going to solve the, the housing crisis. I really don't. No, I think it's that's absolutely insulting of them to suggest that that you know by by reducing the cost on developers, that's going to have this, that that has anything to do with with the cost of property in this province. I mean, now if that was the case, a second-hand house would be cheaper than a new house because you're not paying for the cost of the bricks and the mortar. Well, no, we all know that's not how it works. Uh, the price, of, you know, the, the price of a house is whatever the market will support. It's got nothing to do with the cost of 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 the actual cost of development, or very very little. Um, you know, if you own property in in Ontario right now, you've just probably seen tens of thousands of dollars uh, wiped off the value of your property because of global stuff that's going on, um, and that's just the way it works. It's nothing to do with 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 how much it costs to build properties. Um, so absolutely insulting. You know, this is this is the, but you know this 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 is. This is the PCs, right? This is the conservative mindset. Um, the public are morons, therefore we'll tell them whatever the morons were likely to swallow um, as our justification for doing anything. You know, they think, they really think we're that thick. Um, uh, uh, it drives me insane. Um, I, I said at the outset, we had two smelly stories. I should point out that there was the sewage and this is the second smelly story because uh, this stinks and it's it's shit. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, uh, and I just wanted to come back. I think I mentioned it briefly in the last episode. It's like, you know, the, this, the Build Homes Faster Everywhere Act, whatever the hell it's called, has passed in a matter of weeks. Um, this is a, an act that fundamentally changes all manner of things. Um, uh, you know, legislation at a provincial level in Canada is some of the most important legislation. You know, every bit as important, if not more important than legislation that happens federally. It certainly is more likely to affect us. And it passes almost on the nod because the legislature is so enfeebled and the MPPs are so controlled by, by the party. There's, there's, there was a committee stage where I guess that lasted an afternoon or something. You know, remember that we said the AMO wasn't even allowed to turn up. It's like, well, if you don't allow the AMO to turn up, really, what the hell is the point? I mean, 
parliament, the legislature in Ontario is a rubber stamp. This is a phrase I used years ago um, when I was looking at history of parliaments. Um, it's like, you know, it, it was parliament in the past, in the medieval era, you know, just something that just sort of rubber stamped wherever the king said. Uh, and believe it or not, in the medieval period, no, it wasn't. It was actually a real thing that really influenced and and and, and could have an impact on legislation, even in a pre-democratic uh, world. But the Ontario Parliament, if you want to look at a rubber stamp, the Ontario legislature is a fecking joke. <laughs> it's like, oh, we're going to change everything and we're going to pass that act in a matter of weeks. So we'll just ram it through, it's done. With no proper oversight there's no um there's no senate to can to 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 have any impact on anything there's no there's nothing um and it, it's what kind of democracy is this um this is well it's a it's a it, what gets me is that it, it it's instead of looking at the issue of of housing and saying okay the developers have a, a seat at the table um, municipalities have a seat at the table and then say environmental and, and, uh, uh, other, you know, citizens groups see at the table. Let, let's figure out how do we build affordable housing? You know, it, it reach out to the, um, to the social housing groups, you know, all those, those who say, well, we need housing for the less fortunate in the, in this society. There's a, I, you're telling me that you couldn't get a table of all those people together and get a real powerful piece of legislation that either appeals to everyone developers can make some money on it uh municipality you know streamline a way forward to get the stuff built as fast as possible or and, and really and really address the market needs this doesn't this 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 builds this goes towards a very niche set you know we're talking that one $1.5 million budget, the houses are still going to cost a fortune. They're not going to be uh, built in areas that are very accessible for the rest of us. They're not going to mean that in downtown or, or close to walking, we're going to have to have more strip malls, more strip plazas full of, you know, just Tim Hortons and Starbucks and whatnot. That's, it's just more suburban sprawl because that's how, that's what you do. You don't build dense neighborhoods on wide open farmland. You just don't, um, and the cost the cost of that the the maintenance. And this is why I'm saying the tie into the first story uh, uh, with the the sewage issue is that these development charges that are getting skipped over in this the, that that's what it goes toward those development those development charges the, that hundred sixteen thousand dollars per home that's for, gets recouped by the municipality. That's what's supposed to go into. It's supposed to go into the maintenance of sewers and, and roadways and all this other vital infrastructure that we need for a city to city and town to exist. This government is stripping away that. I mean, the minister says he's going to, he's going to go work with the federal government to secure support for municipalities to pay for this critical infrastructure. But I, I mean, this is exactly what this government does. They go into, they, they create the problem of their own making. They're, again, they didn't go in to get buy-in from the municipalities. They didn't get buy-in from citizens. They just did this. Said, "Hey, developers, go build us one and a half million homes. Forget the cost on the road. Go for go for it. Oh, by the way, we'll cut out 
all the power, all the money that's supposed to go to municipalities to pay for this upkeep. And now what are they going to do? When the federal government says, okay, fine, you're going to need the $5 billion for these municipalities, we'll give it to you. But here's the conditions. Doug Ford and Steve Clark are going to cry foul and say, oh, it's the federal government's fault. They're not giving us money to to pay for the sewer upgrades and the and the roadways and and the electrical grid and all this stuff that you know the municipalities that normally would be able to do that it's it's just a mess it is a mess i mean and everything development was a mess before this government came to power and now it's a cluster of disaster mm-hmm. i try not to swear too much um uh it's they've made everything a hundred times worse. And you know, I mean, back you remember during the municipal election, I, I unusually for me sort of jumped to the defense of a of a politician I don't particularly agree with quite often when someone called him corrupt. And it's like, no, he's you know, the guy is not anything, not pretending to be anything that he that he isn't. Everything he's doing is illegal above all. I'm not gonna go back into that story. But you know, this is different. I call this corrupt. Uh, it's corrupt because they're pretending it's one thing when it's actually another. They're pretending that this is for homeowners when it's not for homeowners. It's for developers. Developers, developers, the developers run this province, to quote um, the mayor of Oakville. Uh, a, a group of developers from Vaughan run this province. Um, uh, they really, really do, with, with the help of a few developers from Hamilton and, uh, and at least one union. Um, the... the <sighs> Everything to do with this government, everything that they've done, the the the, the much more radical and and um, uh, wholesale legislation they brought in since they were re-elected, is all directing one way, and that is getting developers to do what the hell they want, as if they didn't already have far more power than they they should have done to do what the hell they want. Um, it Absolutely. is it, the well, we definition need- of corruption is the definition of, of of absolute moral vacuum at the heart of this government. Um, and you know the, they had the cheek to bang on the liberals for years, accusing them for being corrupt. I don't see any liberal MPPs ever, you know, <laughs> benefiting from 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 anything very much. Um, uh, you know, this is freaking corruption. I don't have anything to add to that. So why don't we leave it at that for this uh, this episode? We'll be back uh, next week with more 905er folks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns or ideas for future episodes to our email info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time.
Hi, I'm Emily Roger, and I host a leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host, Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com.